something that's that's happened the last couple of years that you've got to have your finger on the pulse is more and more clinicians opening private practices or going out on their own, which means more and more individuals are getting to have their preference of what EMR they do, but they have to solve a problem that maybe either an organization they used to work for would would just solve. And now they've got to, they've got to be a really smart consumer. Um, are you having more of those conversations in the last couple of years? They do that. Yeah. So, so one of those problems that could stunt the growth of a business or a practice is is a tr you know bringing people in, staffing. And I wouldn't think that an EMR would help with that, but you're here to tell me that I'm wrong, and I like when I'm wrong because it means I learned something. Jimmy, you're wrong. There you go. I got to say it. <laughs> there it is. I mean, I think um, any system you have in your practice, any workflow, any procedure that you're asking your people to do is part of this discussion with staffing. First of all, um, we talk to clients all across the, co the country, practices all across the country every day, and staffing is basically a universal problem, I would say at this point. I mean, I can't think of a market that we talk to where we haven't heard, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with either hiring new people or retention. And, you know, th those are, are both different problems, but the same problem at the same time. And absolutely, so, you know, on the retention side to start there you know if the systems don't work right or they're annoying it it does it leads to burnout or just frustration or people say you know what i'm just getting tired of this i'm doing a lot of stuff manually i want to do more challenging stuff perhaps or you know just not that great when you have somebody come in and and they're sort of um, interviewing or a prospective employee if they sort of perceive that it, it doesn't feel super well run or things kind of feel kind of sort of ad hoc uh, regularly and they sort of observe that and they can feel it. I think that, um, you know, throughout the process, if they're sort of asking you like, well, how do you do this and how do you do that? And they, especially if they're coming from another position, maybe in another practice where they sort of understand how things work and they might be asking specific questions, they'll be able to smell it out pretty quickly. Right. And that, that can make it tough to really get that person to, to seriously consider, you know, maybe taking an offer or you're just trying to hang on to somebody to stay. Last time you were on the show, we were talking about baseball. It was the all-star break then. And there was a situation with, oh, what's that Reds player? Ellie De La Cruz, right? So did you see this? He has like this weird like knob thing. The, the knob of his bat oh. is shaped weird or something, right? And they had the umps check it. Like the opposing manager was like, check it. It kind of made him whatever. And it they figure it doesn't do anything. Like the knob doesn't enhance it. But it's what he likes to swing with. It's what he's used to. So when you're talking about an EMR, if I'm coming in from a practice and I'm used to something, I want to be. I want to know that the bat I'm swinging, because I know I'm going to pick that bat up and swing it a lot every single day. If this is new, I want to make sure this is going to speed my swing up. It's going to improve my swing and not slow me down. So that is something that's that's on top of culture or who you're working with. It's like. It's important. It's 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 that that pebble in your shoe that might drive people away. It's so minute, but the small things are the big things. Yeah, I, I kind of think of it like if you're buying a new house, you know, there's this intangible like quality of life. Everybody calls you know quality of life. There's 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 tangibles. Location. It's on right. a busy road. It's on a quiet road. It's on a cul-de-sac. Then there's these intangibles. How does the neighborhood feel? Are there a lot of trees? You know, things that are sort of amorphous. And the same thing goes is when somebody comes in and like, well, we kind of just do it a little differently every time or whatever. This is how the last person did it. We don't really know. Or, oh yeah, this is really time consuming, but we're having to do it manually. I mean, none of these things sound attractive. You know, if you're sitting on the other side of the table and you're like, 
scratching your head thinking, all right, is this what I want to get myself into? No. Um, and, and if they have a choice, you know, as is often the case now, then they can afford to take these intangibles more into consideration than maybe they would in, in other job markets and times when it hasn't been that way, kind of like a buyer's market versus a seller's market. It's a similar kind of concept. So it, it does make a, a, a big difference. And I think people like working, obviously, in a more modern environment. They like working in an environment where they're able to, the tools are helping them complete things faster. So their day isn't being extended things like that, especially when you get to start talking about clinicians. I mean, obviously burnout's a common discussion in the industry in general, and not just from a tech perspective, but just the, you know, people burning out from treating or dealing with patients or, or whatever the case might be. And there's absolutely a role for technology in there to try and help alleviate some of those, um, those tasks, but also make it more pleasant to do them when you have to. So, so I didn't think this was going to go this direction, this conversation. That's when I, that's when we know we're on a good conversation, right? Let's say, let's say you have a job interview coming up or you, you go on one uh, in the near future. And I think a, a common question, by the way, you should be asking lots of questions if you're a, a physical therapist, right? You should be asking, you're not just there to read your resume, essentially, or field questions. You should be asking them. One of them, which I think gets asked pretty frequently is, you know, just out of curiosity, what, you know, it's a layup question. What EMR do you use, right? You're looking for, am I familiar with it? Have I heard good things? How would you, if, if the person is unfamiliar with it, right? Let's say someone sits down, Jimmy sits down with a clinic owner and someone says, I, I ask as a clinician, what EMR do you use? And the person on the other side says, we use MW therapy. I shouldn't be done there. Cause let's say I don't know about it or all I know is just what I've heard. What's a question yeah. or two that I sh that would be good to ask so I'd get a feel for what this tool that I'll be using every day is, is like? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the two questions I'd ask is how long have you been using it? Good. And so their familiarity, I, if there's a problem, yeah, am I going to be stuck yeah. solving it or you? Yeah. And how's it going? I mean, if you're a therapist, do the therapist like it? If you're a front, if you're interviewing for front, how do they like it? Is it is it working? I mean, it's really that simple. And and they might say, hey, we've been with it for. 20 years and we hate it, or they might say we've been, we switched a year ago and we've been in, on cloud nine since or anywhere in between. I mean, and, and um, you know, and just like anything else, you know, what's the interest in, in sort of, first of all, if the person says, I have no idea, that might be a little concerning, right? Like a, a core system like that, you want to know what you should know, what the right. core OS uh, operating systems are of the practice. Um, and then, you know, because for some, again, technology isn't a cornerstone of the practice. These are becoming fewer and fewer, but it is. I mean, for any business in any industry now, um, whether you're selling, you know, widgets or tchotchkes, you, you have to have a tech stack behind you that enables you. I mean, I even just think about the technology that goes into ordering a cup of coffee now. So talk about, you know, pour me a cup of coffee. Now there's an app and there's a pickup line and there has to be a human waiting to make you the cup of coffee and put the sticker right. on it and put it. And so, and it all has to happen within eight minutes and the coffee has to be hot. I mean, same thing goes here. I mean, it's not just, and actually if you'll give me a, a little latitude to pivot, I just want to say that another thing that on the other side of the table, the hiring side, really have to rethink what all these roles are. I think that this concept of like, I'm hiring a physical therapist used to mean something 10 years ago and now means huh. something very different and hiring a front desk person also. So 10 years ago, PT, I'm bringing a PT in. You got to be able to treat patients. You have to be clinically 
um, competent, right? And and have that might mean having the right education, whatever, you, however you want to measure that. But today, the the PT is also doing probably some level of customer service, some la- level of patient retention, some level of technology, some level of reporting that they weren't doing before. Your front desk person, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, can you answer the phone and take an appointment into a paper book? Today, they're your front end facing the customer. They're collecting payments. They're reconciling bank accounts. They may be involved in some or a lot of billing, depending on the size of your practice. So I think the big elephant in the room is always salary, right? Oh, how do you retain or hire more people? Oh, just pay more. And and more and more people find out this not working. You can't just add more money, more zeros. I mean, everybody has a price, but you can't right. add well, you, zeros. You can, but that's a race yeah. to the bottom. You're That's a it race is. to the bottom, right? It's a race to a zero profit line. And, and also, you're not going to retain people because honestly, they may be willing to take uh, some pennies less to have a better work environment or better culture or better tech or lower commute, whatever it might be. But um, what I do find is that some some folks still are thinking about salary ranges that align with the, with what the role used to be and right. less so what it, so I'm not saying, you know, add three more zeros on the end, which nobody can afford to do, but reconsider how much you're asking somebody to do and what the role really is when you think about, okay, oh, it just feels bad to pay more because I, I feel like I should be able to hire this position at this price. And it, it all plays into the systems and the workflows. And especially if you want to really be, you know, doing the heavy marketing and getting into the all these different pieces and really having that top-notch patient experience, you have to kind of weigh everything into balance. Uh, on yeah. Yeah, starting with the two questions that you suggested people ask, yeah. right? Which is how long you've been using it and what do you think, right? An interview is an interview. It is two-way. Like a, a job interview is not you trying to win the job. I will say this until my grave, especially for new graduates. And I was just hanging out with a bunch of them over the weekend at a conference in Vegas of all places. I can't sure I can't tell you anything that happened there because I'm not allowed. Apparently, what, stay, what happened there stays there. <laughs> But what I what I was asking is, hey, listen, you guys are graduating soon, or some of them had just graduated. I'm like, where where are you looking to go? I don't know. And my one piece of advice is, an interview is not a thing to be won. It's not a sport. It's not a game. It really is a chance for you to give, make you know, by all means, make a great impression. That's what you should do. Put your best foot forward. Also, your job is there as an investigator, like because you are buying something. I know you're looking to get paid. But you are buying something. You're putting your time in there. And even asking those two simple questions, you know, what EMR have you do you use? Do you like it? This is a poker game, man. People will tell you stuff, right? I tell people, you know, there was a there was there was a line in radio or a cliche. If you give someone enough microphone cord, they'll hang themselves with it, right? If someone, <laughs> if you if 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 someone's gonna admit to something, like I mean, cops know this, just shut up, let them talk. Human beings love to fill that space, but it's uncomfortable, especially if you're being interviewed. You want to just keep going and keep going. Let Ask a question and let it sit there because their facial reaction, their response, let them keep going. Or as you pointed out too, I didn't think about this, their lack of response or lack of knowledge to that question. But maybe they're in hiring. Maybe they don't know that at a practice, right? Awesome. I'd love to speak yeah. someone who is more clinical. Could I, could I do that? Is sure. another great question too. Sure. Yeah. And I think honestly, even their attitude towards answering the questions will be instructive. I mean, you, you, if it's not okay to ask questions, it's probably not, not great. Yeah. Like, you know, you, and like you said, I think it's, it's very much a two way street and um, it will also give you some indication about your ability to impact change, uh, which a lot of people do value as well. People want to actually are interested 
in, I think, this is my view, are interested in, in improving the organization they're a part of and get do get can get turned off if they feel like there's no avenue for them to do oh, so. Oh, yeah. And so, like, they just want to know, and whatever it is, I mean, they may be coming to you from another practice where actually they had some good ideas or some good implementations or workflows on anything, and they could help if if you let them. And so the interview is just the gateway to that conversation. Do you want to hear like one of the most ultimate cheat code questions that you could ask in an interview? This has been on the show before and I stole it from, you know, Jamie Schreier, right? You guys have been oh, yeah. that, but oh, you yeah. guys have done Jamie, yeah, Jamie yeah. had this brilliant question and he asked me the question. I was like, that's pretty smart. And then he went into like what he got out of it. And the question he asks as a practice owner to potentially hiring right. a clinician was, listen, man, Jimmy, you're great. If I were to hire you, and you stayed with me for five years, but at the five-year mark, you decided to quit. What do you think the reason might be? Oh, that is a good question. And it's such a good question because yeah. everything that I say to the answer is what I hold dear. It's you just, you just, I just explained, or I, as a, as a person answering that question, I explained the things that I actually need to see, or else I'm gonna run out of steam, right? Yeah. So I love it because it's brilliant because I, I also know as a person who asks a lot of questions, if I said, Jimmy, what are your biggest values or what are the things that are most important with you? I'd give a cliche. I would try to answer it and please you. That question is almost like in your periphery. It's like, it's like bouncing a racquetball off the wall, still getting to the same spot. It's not a straight shot. 100%. And it, it puts it into a narrative. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? If there, if I, if I wasn't able to expand the practice, maybe open up my own my own clinic within the company, that'd probably be a reason I would leave. Now, if you if you as the person hearing that that answer, if you're like, I never want to do that, that person's not a good fit. You might get two three years out of them, but they're going to leave. Or if you're like, yeah, I want to expand this thing, Jimmy, and there's a jump ball between Jimmy and someone else. This that's the tipping point. Is he wants it because you can't. And I'm going to curse ear muffin for the kids. You can't teach give a shit. You can't. Well, Jamie's a smart guy, so I'm not surprised he came up with a good question. The only thing I could add to Jamie's thing would be, you know, we're talking heavily about hire on the hiring end, but that, that sounds like a great retention question too. I oh, mean, if you yeah. do an, if oh, you do an yeah. annual good review for, with somebody, ask them, I mean, why not ask them in year three? If, you, if you're going to leave in a year or two, what, why do you think that would be? And what are we doing? Um, one question I like to ask is, what do you want to learn? What is it Ooh. you're interested in learning about? And how can I support you in, lear in learning about that? Is it something I could teach you? Is it something somebody else could teach you? Is yeah. it something you could take a course to learn? I know with clinical, everybody gets in the big con ed and you've got to make your hours and all that, but people have interests and professionally. And if you say, hey, you know, we'll support you, you know, you might be surprised a therapist might say, you know, I've, I've always actually wanted to learn more about how billing works. And you're like, I, I would have never guessed you were to say that you were to say that. So you pair them up with your billing person like once a quarter and they learn a little bit. Now, who knows? Maybe they want to go start their own practice or something. But you know what? You get the time you can and at the highest, hopefully, productivity that yeah. you can. But you have to support people because in the end, you know, that that it is human. It's it's all human powered. So you've got to keep the machine going. And if they do need to leave for whatever reason, they need to leave. And you've yeah. got to then be in a position to backfill and, and move on. And I also am a big fan of cross-training and making sure different people can learn to do other people's jobs. And that gives you resilience and things like that. So it can all play well together. But uh, it's another one of those, like, I think you use the term zoom out, like back up for a second and just look down and say, okay, you know, wow, Jimmy's been here for four years. 
We've given him no new responsibilities. He's really learned not, he hasn't learned how to do anything new in three years. What is Jimmy happy? And and you might answer your own question before you even ask them. I mean, I've been in jobs like that where I'm sitting there going, hey, you know, and it's it's funny. It's when it's it's a lot of times it's when someone close to you like gets sick or you lose somebody, you start to do that self, that self like assessment, like, what am I doing here, man? You know, it's been two years since I had that rush of like, hey, I accomplished something, right? We get those dopamine hits of accomplishment every year, first grade, second grade, third grade, then we go to college, then we do this, then we get a job. And then those hits of accomplishment, you have to be you have to be the self starter, right? right. Like, especially right. if you're and I'm using air quotes for the podcast, right? If you're just a clinician, if you're happy doing that, that's your dopamine hit, but go be the best clinician ever. If it's something plus, if it's being a clinician plus a marketer and an innovator, something you're going to bring to it, sometimes you got to say that out loud. As a business owner, what you just pointed out is sometimes you should you should be asking that question, which is better than what can I do to keep you if someone's got one foot out the door? My man, too late, right? Like three years from now, what can we build to, to, to help you become a better version of you? That's a question because it's all about me, the receiver makes you think makes me feel like you're paying attention to me i want to work with people who pay attention to me that's what i want to be yeah absolutely i mean it, it really does make people feel valued and they should and and i think again it's a win-win i mean if they learn a new skill that's also valuable to you then as a business owner to the business how uh, yeah rising tide lifts all boats by the way for yeah. the podcast jimmy just yeah. lifted i was i'm boat. doing oh, the, was the, that the was that ra motion. raised a lot of hand motion yeah. for the podcast <laughs> Yeah, you need like a, a, a talk with your hands uh, translator. So, but yes, I mean, I think these are all good things. And I think, I mean, I don't, everybody has opinions. I don't think this, the staffing challenges are going to go away, you know, anytime, immediately anyways. They're probably going to linger around for some time. And you've, you've also got these other pressures from different areas. And so coming up with sort of viable, replicable, sustainable strategies that you can follow um, obviously I think ret retention is super important because if you've got time into somebody and you've got, they know what they know about your business, then you can say, okay, how do you keep, how do you get new people into that too? Go ahead. Yeah. What I think it also does, and this goes back to cross training, goes back to the last episode we talked about, which is if someone, if someone full of energy comes into the organization, into your business, right. And they want to do stuff, right. And they've got new ideas, having them sail that idea in a, in sort of a test environment, right? But now you're able to show them with data how this is going. Because a lot of times we shoot from the rafters. We drive from the back seat. Why doesn't this business, business owner doesn't just doesn't do this? Which, if anybody listens to the show, the word just, my least favorite word in the world, just, because it minimizes everything. Why don't we just do more of this? Because that would solve everything. And meanwhile, the business owner is like, I see what you're saying, but from behind this screen, which you might not have vision on, I'm telling you it won't work and here's why, or, or it hasn't worked because of ABC. Now, if we can come to a compromise and you want to do that and you're motivated as, a, as, a, as an employee, as a, as a teammate, we can do that. But it shuts people up real quick when, they, when you're like, when, when they're the backseat driver and you're like, hey, you know what? I'll move over. You could drive. Show me, show me how, how easy that is. You just said it was really easy. But at least it, it, it empowers people with information. It, it says, okay, come help me sail this thing. Yeah, it does. I mean, hey, you know, practice owners, they are, they're under a lot of pressure, a lot of, a lot of opportunities, but also a lot of threats and from all different corners, financial, operational, staffing, all these different pieces. But I, I think that the practice owners that are sort of doing the best are, are those that are, are able to balance 
um, across those different things and, and actually in some ways make time not just to, to handle threats, but to try and conquer opportunities. Uh, because you could spend all of business just just you know chasing the threats you know just this is going to come down just coming down on us or whatever others though are saying you know what like uh, i'm going to sort of not ignore a threat but i'm going to take a little bit more risk on a threat to open up some time to really say okay you know this is an opportunity over here whatever it might be a new location a new referral source a new specialty a piece of equipment i mean there are numerous ways that you can take risk on the other side to to accomplish something new and if you are able to get your team to you know be in sync with that too and to recognize you know okay like th this threat is too great to ignore from a business perspective or even on a smaller scale and then this opportunity is also too big to ignore or shouldn't be ignored then i think you can kind of get the right thing and um for for sort of mid-size and larger practices a lot of that starts to come into the sort of middle tier of management which is very important uh if you if you have it i mean a lot of practices are are flat the owner right. and then everybody else but you know as we see the proliferation to some degree of larger practices there are there's an owner owners and then there's you know yeah there's some some sort of structure to the organization and the interesting thing about that from a staffing perspective is now you need a farm team to be able to get people to come off the bottom level move up to that middle and then you know you're losing sometimes on the bottom you're also losing sometimes in the middle and so you've got to be in a position where you can have some new flow into all of those and usually the best thing is if your farm team can deliver like going from the minors to the majors okay right. hey you're now running location two or you're now the clinic manager or you're now this and you know our business you know our philosophy you know our systems and operations as opposed to trying to bring somebody in fresh into that middle layer um can can really be beneficial but these all now play together yeah you're empowering people i mean that's the way you get everybody to play together is when i feel I'd rather play. F I mean, I know we started talking about this, you know, money, right? Because just pay people more money and they'll show up and that's it. Is it? Okay. Well, that doesn't work. I want to do really good work, right? I mean, we've talked yeah. about, I don't know if we talked about it uh, together, but the three C's that we talk about, which is like the three common things that people want to get out of where they work, right? And it's never one. It's always a combination, but there's always one that's typically the lead. It's craft, cause, and community craft would be like i want to be the best whatever it is that i do i want to be the best designated hitter i want to be the best plumber that's why i'm here to be the best this thing i'm a technician cause would be why are we doing this whole thing why does this whole thing exist right yeah. and then communities like who am i doing it with right you might have a you might have a really important role get paid a lot of money uh have a great cause but you don't like the people you're around you ain't gonna be there very long so it's like all three are important but when you can have a really good balance and when you know which one is important to this person versus this, it's like love languages. Uh, that person plays harder and typically sticks around longer. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, that's a good place to kind of say the last piece is you have to articulate these things too. How <laughs> you gosh. can't just have, how do you tell them to people? So, I mean, I know I'm uh, talking about Jamie. I know he does a good thing about how to write a nice job ad and all that. And, and he's very good at explaining that. But yeah, how do you even communicate this? And, and if you're on the other end of the table, like you were saying, how do you, you know, how do you communicate what you want out of those three things? So, I mean, that's probably something good for everybody to think about on both sides of the table. How do this you is say where, it? How do you this talk is where it? Jimmy uh, realizes that the thing I like to do, like communication, I'm gonna have job security. AI ain't gonna take this away. Not anytime soon, as I say that. AI is probably listening to me. <laughs> but what, what I mean by that is, how do you tell someone about it? I say, don't tell them, show them. Because my favorite day in third grade was show and tell. 
every day you tell people stuff, but it was when I could stand there with my whatever and show people. And yeah. that takes effort. That's harder to scale. But with these things that we're doing now, sometimes it's not. So I've said to people, as soon as you brought this up, I started nodding, of course, because a lot of people will say, well, of course, we have these values. I'm like, where do you show me them? Well, they're on our website in our value section. I said, nah, my man, I got to see that on the street. You know, Nike doesn't just have it in their values. I have no idea what Nike's value section says in their website, but I know what Nike values because they show me. They put Serena in that commercial or they, you know, when they sponsor this or they embed this, they show with every action. I mean, something you said before, every person in most small, small, medium, and I'll say all businesses, small, medium or large, you're doing public relations. You're either doing it well or you ain't doing it and that's bad, but everybody's doing it whether they know it or not. And that's more of show and tell, show me. But if you give people the right tools and you make sure that they understand it's their, it's an expectation or responsibility, they typically overperform. I mean, I got yelled at once at a, at a job for not handling something that no one ever told me was my thing. And do you know why I didn't jump on it? I didn't want to step on toes. So here I am. It's like when you watch a pop fly fall between the shortstop and the left fielder. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, it was your, I didn't, uh, uh, just go, but you, but you know, you could have done, I got it. They teach you that in like literally, I got it. I got it. But that needs to be said again. No, hundred percent. And I think this is where that rethinking the rules comes in. I mean, you, you write your job description and if you dust it off from five years ago, it definitely needs to be updated for any position in a practice. That's how you communicate. These are the things we want you to be doing. These are the things we expect you to be good at and do. Um, and so, yeah, it, it'll be, yeah, again, interesting to see where the next couple of years takes us in, in sort of the, the very broad job market type perspective, but also in the PT practice realm. And um, I, th I think, um, you know, PT shortages and the things you hear about are, are to some degree going to persist, I think. And that, so that's yes. where just like any other success yeah. in the space is going to be governed by how refined you are sort of in your process for hiring, your, how you communicate, what you're communicating, what you're offering. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, just, yes, of course, compensation is important as we've talked about, but it's not the end all and be all. It shouldn't so. be the only thing. Listen, no. pay, pay people enough, but then you've got to deliver and make the, the worst is when people, when organizations or businesses or companies are doing the things that people value, it breaks my heart when they're just not showing them. And I'm like, you mean you have a residency? Like, yeah, you know, it's on the website. I'm like, my man, you got to hit me over the head 50 times. And then when you think, when you think I'm bored of hearing about it, you're 10% of the way there. I need you to do it again and again and again and show, show, show. Somebody had a great quote. It's like, uh, marketing is saying the same thing a thousand ways, not a thousand things the same way, right? right? We got to hire someone, go to Indeed. Totally. I'm not saying don't go to Indeed. I'm saying, what are you saying there? Great. Figure out how to say that on Twitter, on a billboard, in, a, in an email, in a text message. These are all delivery devices. Say the, say the, say the same, same thing a thousand ways. Totally, totally agree. And I'll just leave you one last thought, which is we'll not a negative party. one. Yeah, well, well, here, okay, yeah, go ahead. You wanna do parting? No, 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 do that. I thought you had okay. it, go ahead. Well, well, no, I was just gonna say, the, the only other thing that's sometimes hard to talk about with staffing is addition by subtraction. What does that so mean? So addition by subtraction is if you have somebody that's dragging your team down and oh. you're, keep, you're keeping them because you're so worried you're not gonna be able to hire somebody else, but you're actually risking retention with other people because you just, 
you have to think about addition by subtraction. It can and does exist out there. Sure. People know who those people are, and it, it's really a tough situation, especially if your clinic's already tight and you're kind of struggling as it is. Um, but everybody can feel it, and everybody knows it, and sometimes you have to make that tough call. And uh, we, we do see, uh, unfortunately, sometimes practices and owners struggle with those decisions, and it's hard. But that's why they, you know, try and call it addition by subtraction. Sometimes you can have greater... If, and sometimes it may just not include somebody because it just isn't a good fit, yeah. position, personality, all those sorts of things. So, all right, last thing we'll do. That was your final thought, but now you have to do your parting, your parting shot. Parting. Okay. Okay. So I'll frame it up this way: We'll yeah. be dropping this episode as PT students are largely going back to classes, getting back in the swing of things. You know, let's aim at that audience. What, 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 what advice or what thing would you have uh, PT okay. students focus on? So, yeah, that's well, I think, you know, my, my parting thought would be, you know, know what you know and know what you don't know. So I mean, when you're coming into the space um, as, as a new grad, of course, you know, you want to do and, and be everything. Okay. I think, I think that's the, the beauty of coming out of college in any, any position, but you do have to kind of put some time in and, and then you can really figure out what you don't know. And then hopefully you're in a place where you can learn it and they can't teach you everything in school. And that's not just PT. That's just everything. Anything. If you want to be in private practice, it's now you've got a whole business side to it that you never really had a good introduction to, or even a lot of detail right. on. And then know what you do know, which is, you know, what have you learned from your clinicals and things like that in terms of what you do like and where will you be happy? Uh, and that could be the setting, big setting, small setting. It could be the type of care you're providing. It could be the type of equipment you even like to work with, things like that. And so I, I you know, try and have an open mind, but but also, you know, don't put yourself in a lose-lose situation. And, and as a student, I think those are some things that coming out, you can re reasonably do. And then in yeah. a couple of years, you can reconsider and see see where everything lands. Always great insight, uh, Sharif yeah. from MW Therapy. Thanks so much for uh, for coming back on the show, my man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll I see you again soon. Perfect. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been a Another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.